0: This is Tennis Quick Tips, episode 181. Hey, this is Kim from TennisFixation.com. I'm your host for the Tennis Quick Tips podcast. With every episode, Tennis Quick Tips brings you a quick and easy tip to improve your tennis game and to make sure you're having fun Every time you step on court, let's talk about the Australian Open. Again, I told you I wasn't going to be able to let this go. In my last episode, episode 180, I gave you all of my tips for making the most of any professional tennis tournament you might attend. But in this episode, I'm giving you some completely different tips. I'm going to let you know all of the tennis lessons. I learned at the Australian Open. And the good news is, these are the kinds of lessons that regular old recreational players, players like you and me, can apply to our games to help us play better tennis. But before we get into the tips, I would love to do a listener shout out, because your reviews and comments are always so fun and so supportive and are really part of what keep me going with this podcast. So this week, I want to give a shout-out to Tennis Quick Tips listener, Fiona. Fiona listened to my last episode, the one called Top Tips for Attending a Professional Tennis Tournament, and she had this to say. Hi, Kim. Thanks for the tips and suggestions for visiting a Grand Slam or professional tennis tournament. One extra pointer that I would add might be obvious to some but wasn't initially to me, would be to go early. You have the best chance of seeing all the players if you show up early in the tournament as opposed to towards the end. Seeing the semifinal or final matches are great if you can, but in my humble opinion, if you have only one or two days, you get to really maximize the number of big-name players you will see if you go earlier. Specifically for a two-week event, Going the first weekend is guaranteed to have a lot more action and big players still competing and interesting practice sessions to watch than if you go the final weekend. The final weekend tends to be rather quiet because there isn't much going on. Thanks again for your suggestions. Glad you had fun on your trip down under. I hope to make it to the AO soon. Fiona, such a great tip. In fact, I remember talking to James, the guy at Grand Slam Tennis Tours, and he told me it was good that I was going in the middle of the week, which it was the middle of the week before the finals, because I would see way more tennis than if I went at the end. So thanks for sending in this wonderful tip that I definitely should have added to my top tips list in episode 180. And now let's get into this week's episode, where I tell you some of the lessons I learned at the Australian Open. Specifically, I'm talking about the things I saw the pros doing that made me think, huh, I should be doing that, or at least trying to do that, when I play tennis. Here we go. Lesson number one, get fit to hit. I think I have always said in this podcast that fitness is so important in tennis. I may not be the smartest player on the court. I may not have the most beautiful technique, but if I can keep going, if I can run down those lobs and make it through the end of a three-hour, three-set match, well, then I've got a good chance of winning. And definitely, this philosophy of being fit to hit was on display at the Australian Open. It's hot there because this tournament takes place during the Australian summer. Players have to play long, hard matches and recover quickly, both during the match they're playing and in preparation for their next match, should they win. So, putting everything else aside, like talent, technique, tactics, being in excellent physical shape is paramount for the pros. So, the first lesson from the Australian Open for players like you and me is fitness has got to be front of mind for all tennis players. That means even on a day when we're not playing any kind of tennis, we can still be improving our game by working on our fitness. Lesson number two, never stop moving, even in doubles. Okay, the next thing I saw at the Australian Open is these players never stop moving on court. So, of course, this makes perfect sense in singles. They have to keep moving to get to each and every ball because there's nobody else to get the ball. But even in doubles, the movement on the court is constant. And you really see this when you watch the non-hitting partner in doubles. In the matches, I saw that non-hitting partner was always on the move. Adjusting his or her position based on what was happening on court and what he or she should do or could do to best help their hitting partner. That non hitting partner was always involved in the point, even when they weren't the one hitting the ball. And here's another thing I saw the positioning of the partners on the court was constantly changing. Sometimes In one point, both partners would be up at the net, and then one partner would be up and one would be back, and then both of them would be in no man's land. This could all happen in a single point. But again, everyone was always moving. Now, you may recall that I recently did two episodes talking about court positioning in doubles. One was episode 177, Called The Pros and Cons of Playing One Up, One Back in Tennis Doubles. And the other was episode 178, called The Pros and Cons of Playing Doubles Up at the Net. In these two episodes, I talked about moving into doubles positions and how they can benefit your doubles game. But what I don't think I made clear in those episodes, and what I definitely saw at the Australian Open, is that there's not one position that you should take and stay in. Pro doubles players are always moving into the position that will best serve the moment. So again, even within one point, they will be in many different court positions relative to each other on the court. So that's the second lesson I took from the Australian Open. Keep moving and adjusting and using a variety of court positions in your doubles points. You do not want to get caught flat-footed where you have no momentum to get you moving to the right place on court. Just keep moving. Okay, lesson number three, just keep poaching in doubles. This next lesson is a big one for me, and that is to keep poaching in doubles, even when it doesn't work. Just keep poaching. Now I will tell you that I personally have believed this for a long time that even trying to poach is important in doubles because I do believe it sends a message to your opponents that hey she might poach so I can't just keep sending my same loopy little cross-court shot back every time. And getting that thought into your opponent's head is often enough to make things start going wrong for them. But you know what happens to me sometimes? Sometimes I play with a partner who doesn't like my poaching, especially if it doesn't work every time. Sometimes I play with a partner who isn't sure where to go when I poach or doesn't want to switch when I cross over in front of them to poach. Between you and me, I really don't like to play with this type of partner because it makes me start questioning what I'm doing up at the net. It makes me stop poaching because I'm worried if my partner is going to respond correctly when I do. So I was really happy to see doubles players not only poaching at the Australian Open, of course they are, but continuing to poach frequently, even when they missed some of their poaches. And if they missed their poaches and somehow blew the point for their team, their partner did not appear unhappy. Instead, I saw lots of high fives and fist bumps and positive body language. And that's how I think doubles should be played, with supportive partners encouraging each other even when things go wrong. So lesson number three from the Australian Open was to just keep poaching in doubles. Even if a poach doesn't work, it still has value. And when it does work, well, that is the best. Lesson number four, use positive body language. So my poaching lesson leads us into lesson number four from the Australian Open, which is to use positive body language on court. Now, I get it. I have no idea what anyone was thinking or saying on court during the matches I saw. But I can tell you, I could see a lot of body language going on with individual players in their singles matches and with partners in their doubles matches. And those players using positive body language seemed like they were having a better time of it on court. I'm talking about singles players who would have long rallies in one point and then would be immediately ready to serve or receive in the next point, no matter if they won or they lost. Sure, there was some tallying off that happened, actually a lot of tallying off, and that gave them a moment, a tiny moment of recovery. But by and large, the singles players who were most successful at this tournament at least to me, appeared to be immediately prepped and ready and on their toes, ready to play that next point. In doubles, same thing. Lots of high fives, lots of fist bumps and hand slaps, lots of racket touches, and always, always at least a few words between each point to make sure that both partners were on the same page and feeling good about each other. I know in the matches I play, the vast majority of which are doubles matches, I don't see so much of this positive body language. Players stay in their part of the court and just walk back and forth. Players often appear to not only be tired, they look exhausted or even dejected about what's happening on court. And I can tell you this negative body language sends the wrong message to both your partner and to your opponent it tells your partner hey we're doing terrible and it tells your opponents hey you've got us we're doing terrible keep going so lesson number four from the Australian Open is to always be using and showing positive body language and I will definitely be working on doing this a lot more in my own matches Lesson number five, have the right mental attitude. Finally, my lesson five from the Australian Open is to have the right mental attitude. And what I'm talking about is players who do the work. No matter what was happening on court, you could see some players were never, ever going to throw in the towel. They were going to do the work. And just keep fighting and going until the very last shot on the very last point. The players who I most notably saw this with, and this is no surprise, were Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer. No matter what was happening on court, those guys maintained the same positive attitude and just keep going. I did see... Uh, Not in person, but I was there on the grounds and saw on the big screen Federer play tennis sangren and save seven match points. And there was no point in that match where Federer appeared to be worried about the fact that he was facing seven match points. And it's got to be disheartening for someone on the other side of the net to feel like You just won an amazing point. You've got the guy on the ropes, and you look over, and Rafa looks completely unfazed. (laughs) Another player I really saw this with was Milos Raonic from Canada. I saw Raonic play two matches, one against Marin Cilic, which he won, and one against Novak Djokovic, which he lost. And Raonic just looked super determined and unshakable. He ultimately lost to Djokovic in three sets, but those were three well-played, hard-fought sets, and Raonic looked amazing throughout. Now, this is opposed to at least one other player I saw who I thought was giving off the completely wrong vibe, and that was Nick Kyrgios in his loss to Nadal during the fourth round. Look, Kyrgios is super talented, and because he is Australian, he had massive support from the crowd during the match I attended. And he was able to take this match to four sets, losing the last two in very close tiebreakers. But the fact is that from what I saw, Kyrgios was inconsistent and frustrated and seemed to be having a lot of emotional ups and downs. He just couldn't seem to keep any momentum going when he did have it. And Nadal, again, just doing the work on the other side of the net. No matter what was happening on the court, no matter how the crowd cheered on curios, you just could not have seen a bigger contrast in the appearance in attitude of two players playing the very highest level of tennis. So my takeaway, my lesson number five, is have the right attitude on court. Keep doing the work. Keep moving forward in a positive way, no matter what the score or what your opponent is doing. Hey, if it's good enough for Nadal and Federer, then it is certainly good enough for a player like me. So those are my five lessons that I learned from watching the pros playing at the Australian Open. Just to quickly review, lesson number one, get fit to hit. Lesson number two, never stop moving, even in doubles. Lesson number three, just keep poaching. Lesson number four, use positive body language. And lesson number five, have the right mental attitude. I am so happy I had the opportunity to attend the Australian Open because I learned a lot. I mean, I had a great time, but I learned a lot. And even though I will never, ever, ever play tennis anywhere close to the level of the pros that I saw, just by watching them play, I learned a lot that I can and will be trying to bring to my own tennis game. Well, that's it for this week's Tennis Quick Tip. I would be very grateful if you could take a minute to leave your review of Tennis Quick Tips on whatever podcast app you listen in on. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just go to tennisfixation.com slash Apple, and that'll take you to the Apple Podcasts page where you can leave a review. You can also click through to leave a review on your smartphone. And I would appreciate it because your review will help this show become more easily discovered by other awesome tennis players just like you. Again, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And as always, happy tennis.